Welcome back to Clarity Combos for Wedding Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Aislinn, and I am so excited for today's episode. This is our very last episode of the year, and what a truly incredible year it's been. It's definitely had its challenges, but overall, I feel like this year has had so much growth. There's been so many ways that I've supported myself this year. There's been so many conversations that I've had this year that just have been so incredibly beautiful. And what's absolutely mind-blowing to me is that I started this podcast in March of this year. Like, March of this year, that's not that long ago. And I've had 30 beautiful episodes with you guys. Like, it's just amazing. And one thing I wanted to ask you if you have enjoyed this podcast over the past year is it would mean the world to me if you would either review it or share it with your friends. If you really loved this, like, send me a DM, let me know how much you loved it, let me know what your episodes were that you loved the most. But Before we end this year, I really wanted to bring on someone very special and have a really amazing conversation that I know every single person who listens to this podcast is going to love. So I'm really excited because I am actually bringing on one of my favorite people that I've met in the past few years. I am so excited to welcome Alyssa Cotton to our podcast. Welcome, Alyssa. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here. And I know we got to meet in person this year, and it just feels even more special that we're recording this episode together. Yeah, absolutely. So Alyssa is going to share some really incredible wisdom with you guys today around money mindset. And I know this episode is going to blow you away, especially if you're kind of newer to money mindset and newer to some of the practices we're going to talk about. And I just am so excited to get started. So Alyssa, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, let people know your background and what you're here to talk about today. Yeah. So welcome everyone. So my name is Alyssa Cotton. I'm a money mindset coach, money mindset expert. I help you change your relationship with money. When you change your relationship with money, it feels safe to spend money, to save it, to invest it, to earn it, to receive it. And we get to have that competitive edge because money is an incredible resource to help us achieve achieve our goals. We would be lying to ourselves if money wasn't a crucial key to achieving the success we desire. Money is not the end goal, but it's such a beautiful way to get to that destination and enjoy the journey. And my kind of background is really interesting. So when I was younger, I was obsessed with money. I would like hide it everywhere. I would like hide dollar bills everywhere. And then I like, my favorite hack is when I was little, I would put like dollar bills, in my winter jacket. So then when winter was done the next season, I would put my <laughs> hands in my pocket and I would have like money. So I went and I got a, ma- a bachelor's in finance and I love the finance world. I worked in an accounting firm for, I am from Alaska for the national parks in Alaska. So I worked in their accounting department to do all of the tourist industry, the hotels, the transportations, all of that. And then my senior year of undergrad, I got really sick and I was like in and out of the doctor appointments, in and out of procedures. And I was missing a lot of classes and my professors were like, you need to show up or like you're, this is going to impact your grade. And I'm like, I have health concerns. Do you not see that? And they're like, we don't care. So then I was thinking if I really want to enter a world where they don't support like me as a person, they just want me to show up. So I pivoted a 180 and I went and got my master's in community counseling So I specialize in addiction therapy and trauma healing, trauma recovery, trauma healing. And I did that for a really long time. I launched a really successful private practice. It was called Arctic Horizon Counseling. And I just did one-on-one therapy. I had a brick and mortar. I had this beautiful office. And then we all know what happened in 2020. (laughs) 
And I was forced to go online completely. And that really allowed me to enter the online world. And I really found myself being drawn to female entrepreneurs. And I saw that there was this missing need of women, especially with their relationship with money. Women have such a different relationship just based off societal norms and societal pressures of what women should believe money is. Women are taught that we should just give our services for free. We should just give, 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 give because we're nurturers, we're helpers, we're kind. You know, that's what keeps the society going. So then that headspace as entrepreneurs, that shows up as fear of sailing, fear, fear of promoting yourself, fear of talking about your prices, fear of raising your prices because of the societal programming that women are supposed to just give. So I was like, we are done with that narrative. Like women need more money. Like nothing bad happens when women have money because we're going to do what is in the best interest of everyone with the money that we receive. So I launched this summer Elevated Money Mindset, where I work with female entrepreneurs to help them feel safe with money in all aspects. So spending, receiving, saving, and investing. I love that. And one of the things that when I started venturing into money mindset was I I started kind of venturing into like, kind of like the difference between receiving money, the difference between spending money and the difference between saving money and the energies behind that. And, you know, when we think about money in general in our society, it's not talked about in that way very often. So when I started really learning more about money mindset, that was one of the things that really caught my attention was that there is energy. Every single person has a unique signature as to how they receive and how they spend and how they save. And when you can tap into what that looks like for you right now, not judge it, and Mm -hmm. then decide what you want it to look like for you, there's a lot of power in that. Mm -hmm. So much power. And also the the component of investing in yourself And I know that you are now a service-based provider and you provide services. And I have found that um, before I was working with men and women, now I just work with women, but men are so quick to invest in themselves. They are so quick to sign on the dotted line. I'm going to use this because I'm going to have the return on investment. And working with women, there's a lot of hesitation of, am I worthy of this investment? Oh my goodness, I could use that money for my family, or I could use that money to renovate something instead of like investing in yourself. And throughout our conversation, we'll we'll talk about how investing in yourself is the best ROI you can give yourself, your business, and your future. And it's so underestimated the power of like, I believe in myself, so I'm going to invest the financial resources to help me achieve my goals. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things that has changed for me around my money mindset is that particular like mindset right there of I am my best investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is money blocks. And how do you know if you have one? Because if we're talking about money mindset, and if, if you're listening to this, and you're new to money mindset, maybe you haven't heard conversations like this in the past, you might hear the word money block. And you're like, cool, bye. What does that even mean? (laughs) So let's have a deeper conversation around money blocks. And how do we know if we have one? Yeah. Money blocks. I mean, it's such a weird word. Like why would I block money? Everyone's like, I don't have any money blocks. It's like everyone's first response is like, I want all the money, bring it on. And money blocks are basically how our brain links our identity with money. So 
For example, think about when you're younger, what were some of the common phrases your siblings, your teachers, your caregivers, your parents would say? They might have said, money doesn't grow on trees, I'm not made of money, you have expensive taste, or just different, or people who have money are really greedy. So this information kind of gets stored in our brain, and we all know that our brain can only filter so much information at every step of the way. And so if our brain knows money is evil, greedy, negative, sinful to desire, well, then the brain is going to block opportunities for you to receive or obtain money. And so basically a money block is how our brain filters our relationship with money. And when we have a negative relationship with money, we probably have a money block. And so how you can identify if you have a money block is ask yourself, how much money do I desire? Let's say per month, per year. And if you haven't been able to achieve that milestone, you probably have a money block. And the brain will link money in such an interesting way. And something I really like to let people know is if you're into like the spiritual world or the energetic world or the manifesting world, sometimes people will say like, I need to be high vibe all the time. And with money, you actually don't, which is like a beautiful (laughs) gift because think about how many um, multimillionaires are miserable. They are unhappy. They are depressed. They are struggling with life. So we know that you don't have to be high vibe in order to receive money. So Money blocks are really just your relationship with money and how your brain identifies money, whether this is a safe thing, if it's unsafe, if it's something that we can have, if we feel worthy of it. So money blocks are really just how your brain perceives money. Yeah. And in the wedding industry, I see a lot of wedding professionals like have this kind of like mentality around raising their prices where it's like, well, I can't raise the prices because like, I'm not good enough. Like my, my work isn't good enough. And what you're really saying is that there's, there's something inside of you. There is a Mm -hmm. block somewhere inside of you and it has nothing to do with the work you create has everything to do what's going on internally. And so it can, it's funny how money blocks actually show up in our lives. It's not always, um, as straightforward as you think it would be. Yeah. And especially in the entrepreneur world, the money blocks show up in ways that are actually counterproductive to like growing and expanding your business because you might be, um, underselling yourself. For example, let's say you have an eight hour contract for photography and they're like, all right, let's have you do nine hours at like, once you finish your eight hours, you're saying I'm ready to go. And then the family's like, no, we just want one more hour. Can you just like stay? And then ask yourself, do I feel safe to charge for that extra hour? And if your body is like, no, I'll just give it to them right there. That is an example of a money block because we want to be kind. We want to be helpful, but it, it shows up in those types of things really shows up in boundaries. It shows up. Um, yeah. So all of that is all connected. (laughs) Yeah, it shows up in a lot of different ways. And actually, that's a really interesting um, example that you just gave because what we would do at the end of a wedding day, let's say we had a nine-hour contract, at eight hours and 45 minutes, we would go up to whoever the decision maker was and say like, hey, we're leaving in 15 minutes. We just want to make sure that you didn't need us to stay for extra time. And if they said yeah, like, can you stay for an extra hour? I'd say absolutely. Just so you know, like we're invoicing you for that. I'll send you the invoice later tonight. Um, Or I'll send you the invoice tomorrow. And if they're like, oh, sorry, we thought you would just stay like, 
sorry, can't do that. Like <laughs> That's not part of the process. And so that right there is something I had to build over time because I was a wedding photographer for 14 years. You think 21 year old me would say that? No, mm-hmm. that, <laughs> no. Exactly. it was later in my career. And so money, right? That block of like, okay, well, sometimes even talking about money is uncomfortable and it's like, well, I don't want them to think I'm greedy. And then we have to step back and remind ourselves, no, we are providing this service and there is an exchange. And then the exchange that we use is money. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So what are some common money blocks that you like come across? The most common money blocks, and I have a free money block quiz if you want to tap into it. I talk about the four most common money blocks. So the first one that um, hands down everyone who's taking the quiz says is imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome says, I am not worthy or I am not deserving. I don't have enough skills. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough training. I don't have enough experience to receive X amount of dollars. So they don't feel that their goals are in alignment with who they are today. So they feel like a fraud. And when someone feels like an imposter, that they are scared, for example, if you're photographing a wedding and you are raising your rates, you're going to say like, what if they don't think that this is a quality that matches what I'm doing, or if this is a quality that matches X, Y, Z. So imposter syndrome is a huge one. And how imposter shows up is you don't take the risk. You don't put yourself out there. You don't raise your prices. You don't sell yourself. You don't pitch yourself. You don't put yourself or even promote yourself. For example, um, I was working with a client and her main thing was imposter syndrome. And her goal was working on showing up on social media consistently. And she would show up for three days and she would get some traction and then she would ghost for a week. And she was just like, I just feel like nobody cares what I have to say. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. And that's the imposter syndrome, which then eventually blocks you from receiving money. Yeah. And and one of the things that you mentioned earlier was um, identities, like, and thinking about like how like some of these things link back to identities that you have created for yourself. So like, I think that's a really interesting conversation to kind of dig a little bit deeper into is how we, how we not only identify with money, but how we can kind of bring it into identity. And when we try to go against it, we're trying to go against like a piece of ourselves that we've Mm -hmm. like said, this is part of my identity. So it's going to feel really weird when you're all of a sudden like, oh no, no, I do charge that much. If you've got a piece of yourself that identifies with like, I am not worthy of charging that much. Yes, exactly. So money reflects a lot with our attachment style. So our attachment style, if you have ever heard of that, that is really based off childhood of your view of yourself and your view of your caregivers or your view of the world. Like, can the world take care of me, who I am? So money is the same thing. So money, our relationship with money is based off two things, our relationship with money and how we view ourselves. And so a lot of times people will say like, all right, I have a high view of myself. And then they might have a poor view of money or they might have a high view of money, but a poor view of themselves, or they might have a poor view of money and a poor view of yourself. The goal is to have a healthy relationship with money and a healthy relationship with yourself. Yeah. So how can somebody identify that they have an unhealthy relationship with money and what does a healthy relationship with money look like? 
So I do money mindset a little bit different than like um, you might see like financial advisors or like money gurus. I tap into the somatics and I really believe that your body is going to communicate with you what feels safe and what doesn't feel safe. So for example, let's say your rates right now are, let's say your packages are $5,000. Close your eyes and you would scan your body and you would say, okay, how do I feel charging $5,000? You feel no tension, no shifts. You probably feel safe to do that. Now, if I would raise it to, let's say $6,000, you would scan your body and now all of a sudden you have some tightness in your chest. That is your body telling you, I do not feel safe. Because our body, oh, go for it. Oh, I was going to say, like, I remember when I was charging 5K and I did this exact exercise. Um, I don't remember who I learned it from, but I did this exact exercise. And I remember like going up the scale, like 6K, 7K, 8K. 8K was where I felt unsafe. That's where I felt it in my body. Six months later, I booked my first 8K wedding. Congratulations. Thank you. And that right there, that was the social proof or like I got not social proof, but that was the like evidence my brain needed that, oh, hey, like I actually can do this. Yes, exactly. So our body doesn't have like pen and paper to say, hey, you do not feel safe with this, but our body knows how to tell us through the physical cues. And we have physical cues before we have thoughts and even before we have feelings and before we have actions. So if we can tap into our body's physical cues and we can have physical cues for positive things. Like for example, when I'm really excited, like I feel it in my shoulders and it makes my shoulders pin back so that my chest feels really open. And so when I'm like really excited, like my chest goes really up and like open and it feels really expansive. And so I know when I check my body, if my shoulders are down or rounded or my chest feels concave, that my body is kind of feeling like closed off, isolated. And then I can say, okay, what's going on that my body is feeling this way. So really identifying your physical cues with money. Like when you are starting to go on social media and promote your services and you're hitting post, what is your body doing? Does it feel like excited or anxious? You know, it's so funny. And this is like slightly tangential, but still on body language. So I was, um, I think you guys know this. And this is like a humble brag, I guess. Um, I was a nationally ranked public speaker in high school. So I did speech and debate. I like went all over the country and did little like competitions. And one of the things that they taught us in speech and debate was how to embody different uh, I guess like different identities or different emotions. And so it's so funny that you were talking about like, you know, before you hit post, like what's your body doing? We can actually embody what we are wanting to like be in the moment. So like if in, in the moment, like you're about to hit post and like your shoulders are down, you're feeling very concave in that moment, you can check in say, okay, right now I can sense that that's what I'm feeling. I'm going to roll my shoulders back. I'm going to open up my chest. I'm going to speak from my diaphragm. And all of a sudden it's, I mean, it's terrible to say it this way, but you're kind of tricking your body into cueing that you feel more confident than you actually do. And I mean, that's what we learned in speech and debate. I don't know how practical it is. But no, it is no, honestly, that's a huge hack. That's a hack that I teach all of my clients. So um, power poses. So when you wake up in the morning, like a, a main power pose is a Superman pose. You put your hands on your hips, you put your chest out, and that is physiologically going to change your brain. Um, yeah. The other power pose is like crossing your arms, like the power boss mode. 
And we can use our body to bring up those positive feelings. Like we can bring up that positive, like I feel strong, I feel empowered because the brain doesn't know the difference between reality and make-believe. So we can use that knowledge to tell our brain, hey, this is actually really safe because we are not going to die by raising our prices. Yeah. Which by the way, that's what you're like, some part of your brain is saying, like when it's like going into like, I'm scared of charging more. There's a piece of you like biologically, that's like, ah, everything is terrible. And this is going to hurt me. And that's literally what's happening. And that's why we have to like train ourselves that like, no, it's Mm -hmm. actually safe for me to do this. And I think it's really, that's why I love talking to you about this stuff is because I come at it from a very different angle. And so do you, but it's, it's the same information essentially. It is. And we can really go back to hunter gather. We can think about, you know, hunter gather lifestyle, having the tribe. If you wanted to go above the tribe, they would kick you out and then you wouldn't survive on your own. So now your brain is saying, okay, well, I'm used to this status quo And if I go above that, am I going to get exiled? Because that's what our brain is wired, is to get exiled if we do something against the norm, against the grain, which is another um, money block. It's called the cult of mediocrity. And it's when we settle for what our status, like our home base is, and we're afraid to go above it for fear of being rejected, exiled, or kicked out, which is why it's so important to be to surround yourself with like-minded, ambitious individuals. So whether that's in online or in person, or even just your friend group of how can I tap into other ambitious energies? That way it feels more normal for your brain and body to hit that next level. What I find so ironic about this is that we look at leaders and we say like, they're doing something different. I want to follow them. And here we are trying to keep ourselves safe and keep ourselves like within like the status quo by doing the same thing everything else, everybody else is doing. But we look at these leaders and we're like, but they're doing something so different. You can be a leader too. You can choose. Yeah. Like, and oh gosh, I love this conversation. (laughs) Yes. And I'm listening to a book. I do audiobooks, um, and it's called The Power of Big Thinking. And he was talking about how right now we have this huge fear that everyone is afraid that there's too many cooks in the kitchen and not enough like, um, or there's too many chefs in the kitchen, not enough cooks. And he's like, in reality, there's not enough people at the top of the pyramid because everyone is so afraid. And he was saying that there's like some crazy statistic right now that there are more people applying for entry-level jobs than executive jobs. And so we have this fear that like, oh my gosh, I can't work my way up because it's so, you know, oversaturated. That's a huge common fear that people say that it's oversaturated. The market is oversaturated. Excuse me. When in reality, there's actually not enough people at that top part. Yeah. It like, I love the phrase of like, the market's only oversaturated if you're doing what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's such a beautiful lead in back to like being a leader and leading yourself. Yes, exactly. I want to talk a little bit about something that you and I have talked about here and there about money being emotional. So could you elaborate on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So money is emotional. And what I mean by that is, have you ever heard of Maslow hierarchy of needs? Yes. Okay. So Maslow hierarchy of needs. So Maslow 
and I think it was like the 70s, 70s or 80s, he identified that we as humans will not feel safe to kind of work up the ladder of our needs until our basic needs are met. And that's how I view money. So if you are unable to feel safe, emotionally safe to take care of your food, shelter, clothing, it's going to be really hard for you to emotionally feel safe to invest in your job, right? So then the next level is job socializing. And then the next one is investing in yourself. And so with our emotions with money, if we believe that money cannot take care of us, if we have this emotional tie that money cannot support us, we will constantly have this loop that money is like a front of me, <laughs> not something that we can trust. And so what we can do is identify, okay, what is my emotion with money? Do I believe that money is actually there to help me? Or do I believe that money is there to hurt me? Because people who are really, really financially successful, they know emotionally money is there to help them. They don't have a negative relationship with money. They don't believe that money is evil or bad. They know emotionally money is there to take care of them. So how do you shift into that? If, if you are, if you currently don't believe it's there to support you, how do you shift? So the best way you can shift is tapping into who you are today, your current reality today, right? We're going to start with baseline. Okay. How all the ways money has taken care of you. And right now we have to just link the brain. We have to link the identity that money is safe. So for example, every time you're eating food that you bought, thank you money for this resource. Every time you swipe your credit card, thank you money for this resource. Every time you pay your credit card bill, thank you money for this resource. Instead of focusing on like, oh, another bill, another way that I have to <laughs> spend my money. And we're focusing on all the ways money is leaving versus all the ways money is taking care of us. And there's this shift of an energetic exchange that when we start to feel, wow, I'm so fortunate that I can utilize money to pay my cell phone bill, which allowed me to promote my business or allowed me to go on TikTok and laugh or allowed me to text my friends or call my loved ones. And we use money as like a fear response to keep this divide. But when we really bridge that gap of when I think about who I want to be, that version of me who has everything she desires, she's not stressing about money. She's not stressing about her phone bill. She's not stressing about the internet or the water or the grocery bill. She's filled with so much gratitude that money led her to get there. And yeah. we can do that. I was going to say, like, if this is like kind of your first foray into this, at first, it might just feel like you're saying words try to connect it to a physical experience. So like, mm -hmm. I love doing like hand on your heart so that you can feel it in your chest. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier, where like when we feel a lot of joy, like we feel that expansion in our chest, our shoulders go back, right back to that physiological hack. Do that for yourself as you're saying thank you. And there's mm -hmm. going to be that like mind body connection. A hundred percent. Yeah. And at first it feels weird. Like, why am I, why am I telling myself what I want to feel? And at first it feels really foreign, but actually that's the best thing we can do because our brain is like, I just want directions. Just tell me what to think. Tell me what to do. And if we can just tell our brain, we want to have a healthy relationship with money. The brain's like, thank you. All right. Now I'm going to start filtering all the ways we can have a healthy relationship with money. 
Yeah. And that's a really great point too, of like surrounding yourself and with like the data you're inputting into your brain with good examples of healthy money relationships. So one thing that um, we were, I was thinking about earlier when you were talking about the um, hierarchy of needs was there was a time where I was in relationships uh, that were not physiological or I guess like psychologically safe. So mm-hmm. it was really hard for me because that need was not getting met. It was really hard for me to invest in myself. It was really hard to invest in my job at the time because one of my base needs was not being met. So thinking about right now, what kind of information are you inputting on a daily basis about money? What kind of information are you inputting from the people you talk to on a daily basis? Are you psychologically safe around the people that you're interacting with on a daily basis? Because if those needs aren't met, it's going to be really hard for you to start to build a better relationship with money. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to hear about your journey with money and changing your money story because I know you have like a really interesting one. So can you share more about that? Yeah, definitely. So I, I'm trying to like think where I should begin. Um, when I started my business, so I started a counseling practice and nobody in my family supported it. Like nobody. It was like very interesting. And I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs can relate that their family's like, why would you leave you're secure. I worked at a hospital. I worked at a detox uh, treatment center. Like, why would you leave your 401k? Why would you leave your PTO, your health benefits to go start your own business? So like, first off, I had no support and I really had to install my own belief in myself that I have unwavering faith that this is going to be successful. And before I started my practice, I really thought that the only way I could generate wealth was to win the lottery. I was like, this is the only way that I'm going to be able to generate like massive amounts of wealth was like to win the lottery. And I would like journal. I'm so grateful (laughs) that I won the lottery. I'm so grateful. I did like all of the manifesting scripting hacks. Like I watched all the uh, like lottery YouTube videos on like how to manifest lottery winnings. There's a lot out there and I watched all of them. So I would like journal every day. I did the, have you heard of the 555 method where it's like yeah, five days? Yeah, my hand you... hurts so bad every time I do that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend that. I mean, if that's your hack, works for you, did not work for me. So then I would like manifest and I would win the lottery and win like $1 or I would win like $2. And then I was just had this huge wake up call of why am I looking outside of myself for money? So then I like went on this huge like internal journey of how can I generate money for myself versus other people. And that really, I think, allowed me to shift my relationship with money and my goals and my dreams. And a big dream that I had was um, being a snowbird. So I'm from Alaska. The The term snowbird is living somewhere warm in the winter and somewhere cold in the summer. And I... Did that. So this year I achieved that goal and we are now part-time Floridians. So I have an apartment in Florida and I have a house in Alaska, which is like so crazy to say that I have two residences. Um, but yeah, so that belief in myself really allowed me to shift from looking outside of myself to generate. And now I am so close. I think I'm like 50K from hitting a million dollars in my business, which is just wild to think that no, like nobody supported me, not even my husband. Everyone's like, this is a bad idea. And I'm about to be the part of the 2% club. Only 2% of female entrepreneurs ever hit seven figures 
and revenue. And it's like so amazing that I'm so close to it. Yeah, that's incredible. I um I haven't done the math in a while, but I think I passed the million dollar mark. But also, I think congratulations. Yeah, but it it wasn't in a year. It was like over the course of like how long I've had my business. Um, but it's it's really interesting how long it took me to hit like probably I don't know. I'd say like 500,000 in my business for my wedding photography business. It took a long time to get there because of where I was starting and like the journey I had to go on. But since I've been a coach, it just feels like, you know, milestone after milestone after milestone is happening. And it's so quick compared Mm -hmm. to where I started. And so that I think that's a really interesting, like, um, like example of like compound actions Mm -hmm. and compound beliefs because yeah, they didn't believe you when you started, but they believe you now. Yeah, definitely. And when I started my counseling practice, it took me 10 months to hit my first 10K month. And I started my coaching practice end of July, August, and it only took me four months to hit my first 10K month. So like you're just saying like that compound knowledge, that compound belief, the compound of like what works, what doesn't work allowed me to kind of quantum leap and like collapse timelines. Yeah, which is wild. I think we just hit 14k in sales for the month, which I'm just like, oh, yay. And like, you know, it's so cool is to think about and like this is a really great idea around um gratitude for the money that you have coming in. When I say like we're we are hitting 14k in sales, when I think about that, I think about every single person that invested in themselves is part of that sale. It's not mm-hmm. just money, it's people making choices to grow. And it's people investing in themselves in a way that is going to really transform their lives and transform their perspective. And to me, like to be the conduit of that, Mm -hmm. I have so much gratitude for that. So if you don't currently think about the money coming into your life in that way, that's an amazing shift to start to make for yourself. Amazing. So every time I get a transaction, I have programs from $9 to thousands of dollars. I do a round of applause for them and I like close my eyes and I set the intention that they will feel the belief I have in them. And that if one person can believe in them achieving their goals, what a beautiful ripple effect that can cause on the people around them. I love that so much. We have um we have Slack set up where if somebody buys something, I get a notification and it like uh does like a little clapping and like a little like um money kaching sound. Oh my gosh, I love that. I don't normally have my phone on, so I don't get to hear the sound, but I do like every time like a notification pops up, I sit there for a second and I'm like, yay, like this person like joined whatever, or this person signed up for this like free masterclass or whatever. And it just there's something I think missing in the wedding industry around celebrating the person who made the choice and not just celebrating the receiving of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I would love to talk about your favorite money affirmations and the ones that like you might even use for yourself. Yes. So hack everyone, record your affirmations so you don't have to write them. I mean, writing them is very powerful, but I am... I have a busy schedule. I'm sure everyone listening has a busy schedule. I don't have time to sit and journal my affirmations. I'm a go, go, go person. So here is my favorite hack is I will actually record my affirmations. There's apps you can do, but I like to add my own music into it. So I record my affirmations in GarageBand and then I add area music underneath it. And then I will export it to my iTunes. And then as soon as I wake up, 
I will listen to my affirmations, which is such a beautiful way to start your day because it's like your higher self giving you that pep talk. So some of my affirmations that I love is really just thinking about like that end goal. And I want my business to take care of me. I want money to take care of me. I want money to feel fun and easy. So really ask yourself when you're creating the money affirmations, what would you like your relationship to money to look like? I would like my relationship to look fun and exciting. So then I would write, I love how money inspires me. I love how my life is empowered by money. I love how empowered I feel by the financial choices I'm making. So you can use like what you want, what your goal is and use money as that. Also talk about all, so like the four main areas with money. So receiving, spending, saving, and investing. So I always like to put affirmations for all four. So I'm hitting like all four directions, all four seasons of money relationships. So I easily and naturally attract money. Another one, if your brain is like not on board, you can say, I am the type of person who, so that way you can really step into that identity. So this might be, I am the type of person who books out my entire calendar. I'm the type of person who sells out my programs. I'm the type of person who, so we can kind of add that. And if you've ever done any like internal work, like therapy or coaching or healing work, what I always like to write in my affirmation is because of the healing I've done, I now can manifest and attract money easily and naturally because sometimes the brain's like, well, what makes it you so special now? Like why, why now can you manifest money or bring in money? And then you add because of the healing I've done or because of the investing in myself, because of the up leveling. And that's going to signal your brain. Remember that shift? Remember that change? <laughs> oh, brain. Always try to keep us safe. Always. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking back to something you had said uh, where you were talking about like your family didn't support you at the beginning of your entrepreneurial career. They were just seeing the risks. They were seeing how unsafe it was if they were to take that action. And Mm -hmm. because they care about you, they didn't want to see you hurt. And so like, I I think about like sometimes like when we tell our friends or we tell um, coworkers or people like in our industry, like, yeah, like I'm going to raise my prices to 10K for wedding photography if they've never done it, Mm -hmm. they're going to see it as unsafe. And if they love you, they're going to be like, oh, I don't want her to get hurt or feel disappointment or feel um, like she didn't make it or feel imposter syndrome. So like they're going to project that on you, even though like you might have the internal belief. So one of the things I I think I actually talked to my therapist about this. um, Don't tell people until you have conviction. It, like until you have conviction and belief in yourself around it, wait, wait to share it unless you're very, very sure of the circle that you're in, that they're going to support it because you don't want to like shake that inner belief. Yeah, exactly. I always tell people like, just like you were mentioning, okay, is your intention to get feedback or to inform them? And that's what I had to tell my parents. I was like, I am informing you of my decision. I'm not asking you for the green light. I've already given myself the green light and it's going to work out. I love that. That's such a great phrase to keep in mind, like for like just about any conversation you're having. Like, am I am I doing this in order to get a permission slip from someone else or am I just letting them know the information so they can make whatever decision they need to make? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, here you go. Here's the information of the week. (laughs) 
Oh, I love that so much. Okay. So I would love to hear from you. What are different ways that the audience can work with you? What are some of the things that you have coming up? What are some of the different um, programs that you have? All of those things, please share. Yes. So a main modality to help you with your money relationship is I believe EFT tapping. So EFT tapping stands for emotional freedom technique, and we are basically rewiring your brain. So again, as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, your relationship with yourself and your relationship with money really determines how safe it feels to spend, invest, save, and receive. And we can change our relationship with ourselves and with money through EFT tapping. That's really going to rewire your brain. There's so much data, so much science on how that's going to rewire your brain. So my entry level kind of getting into my world is I have an EFT tapping library and there's over 80 tapping videos. They're like tapping mini videos. They're like seven, eight minute videos where on different topics, they've got them on personal money, business, entrepreneurship, everything you can think of. Each week, a new video is added. And then I also have a monthly membership. It's called the Wealthy Mind Membership. And we meet every single week and we're doing different activities to really get you in alignment, really embodying that identity of the version of you who already has everything she wants. So how can she get her relationship with money and her mind on track? At the time of this recording, I'm super excited that on Sunday, I'm going to be announcing my first mastermind. So that's going to be starting in January. So it's going to be a four week mastermind. It's going to be really incredible. And it's all about like releasing the fear, releasing whatever doesn't serve you and installing like all the good stuff, installing the healthy thoughts, the healthy feelings, the aligned action. So that's going to be in January. And then I also provide private coaching. So if you're like, I just want to skyrocket my relationship with money, that one-on-one support, those are, so those are the four ways that I can support you. That's amazing. And how can people find you on the internet? Yeah. So you can go under Alyssa underscore cotton. I'm on every platform. I'm on Pinterest, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and then my website for blogs. So I'm on all the platforms, just research cotton with an E-N, not an O-N. So C-O-T-T-E-N is my last name. Perfect. I love that. So if you guys are listening to this and you found this super helpful, definitely go check her out, especially the EFT like tapping library. Like if you've never done EFT before, like it will change your brain. It will change your life. Like everything has gotten better since I started tapping over the past few years. It's so incredible. But before we head out, I would just love to hear like, is there any other like pieces of wisdom or nuggets of like advice that you would give someone who's working on their money mindset, or maybe this is their first step into working on their money mindset. The best thing you can do to change your life and change your reality is changing your identity of who you are. So when someone asks you like, what makes you happy? Who are you? Like, what is that answer? Do you downplay your achievements? Do you downplay your successes for fear of judgment? Really, I would say work on like feeling so strong in like who you are, what your identity is, because when you have unwavering faith in who you are, it's going to be so much easier for you to have unwavering faith in your business, in your products, in your services. As a result, you will generate more money because people are going to feel that. They're going to feel like, wow, I want that energy because she is so rooted and grounded and who she is as a person. And that's just going to have a ripple effect of bringing in more money. 
I love that so much. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I have changed about myself in the past like five years or so is my self-trust and my self-belief. And lo and behold, there's been a lot of changes in my life over the past few years and definitely for the positive. Yeah, exactly. Yay. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being part of our very last episode of 2023. I cannot wait for some of the stuff we have coming in 2024 and some of the guests that we're going to be having on, some of the guests that we're going to be having back on the podcast. So thank you guys so much for being with me and I will see you in 2024.